Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 42 of the F-Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. I'm your co-host, Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I am joined with co-host, certified financial planner, JD and financial expert, Tanner Bortnum. Also joining us this episode is entrepreneur and mortgage expert, Sean Malku. Sean is the founder and managing broker of the Chandler, Arizona-based wholesale mortgage leader, X2 Mortgage. Uh, Sean actually joined us back in episode 25 while we recorded in August of 2022. So it's been a little bit since we last talked to Sean. A lot has changed since that time. Uh, So we thought we'd bring him back, uh, invite him back, and talk mortgages and real estate market in general. So Sean, uh, first off, for those that uh, may have missed the previous episode, um, or just need a general refresher on who you are and, and, and X2 Mortgage. Uh, talk about your company and, and what makes it unique. Yeah, that was a phenomenal intro, by the way. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yes, he's our <laughs> um, hype man. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, you made me sound cooler than I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, X2 Mortgage is a, um, is a wholesale mortgage broker. So we work in the wholesale channel of mortgages, which essentially means that we work with 40 to 50 different banks, lenders, investors. So when we work with individual clients, we take their scenario, shop it to all of those partners that we have to ensure they're getting the lowest cost mortgage possible and also ensures that we have access to every type of loan product there is in the marketplace. So um, truly a one-stop shop to make sure that the client is getting taken care of in the best possible fashion. Um, And yeah, that's a little bit about X2 Mortgage. Right on. And just before we head into the the meat and potatoes, I want to give this time <clears throat> to Tanner and I'll also make fun of myself. So we're we're on episode 42 and we've been doing this podcast for what, Tanner? Three almost years? Two, year. two, uh, two years. Yeah, almost two years. And the first, I'd say five or six episodes and probably even more than that, we were petrified that we didn't hit press record or hit the record button. Um, and it finally happened, uh, episode 41, kind of, um, we had the audio, but that's right. Dingbat me forgot to press record on the video side. So if you're a faithful listener on YouTube, you'll just see a blank screen with our beautiful voices. So that's my bad. (laughs) Um, one of those sinking feelings at the end of the episode, uh, Tanner, I forgot to press record. (laughs) So here you go, Tanner, here's your... Five seconds to just bash me. Nah, all good. Mistakes happen. And now I've checked like 18 times to make yep. sure that that button is not. Nah, and yep, I see it up top too. It's counting. So, uh, wow. No. Tanner was really holding back right there. Yeah, oh, that's right. Happened. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> I think you blank no. stared at me for like literally a minute after uh, we were done. No, the hard part was is like, that was actually, we joked about it after the episode. That was one of our more animated, like visual ones. Yes, it's and a good one. it was just, it was, it was too bad that the video didn't get recorded. But hey, if we made it 40, 
what, 41 episodes without any real errors. I, I think that's pretty good for, for being a new podcast. So, yeah. So, so yeah, no worries. Things happen. Nothing that really pertains to you, Sean. But anyways, um, give us a give us a general housing market update. How how's the demand looking uh, specifically for you, based in in Phoenix? Talk about the demand there, and then then just overall um, where we're at from a real estate interest interest rates for uh, lending. Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of a breakdown, um, kind of in the last let's say eight ish months, and then you know kind of transition into what we're seeing right now, but. You know, over the last, um, we can even go back a little bit further. Over the last year, we've really had, obviously, a very a, a large increase in rates. Um, however, we're starting to finally turn that corner of it no longer being a shock to people, right? We had rates uptick very quickly in the beginning of 2022. Um, now, since we're almost halfway through 2023, we're starting to become more of a norm um, in terms of these higher rates. Um, now with that being said, you know, the market is likely going again, likely going to be, um, you know, correcting a little bit and those rates coming down a little bit over the next six to eight months. Um, but the interesting part about the market nowadays is that we're, we're no longer in that drastically increasing interest rate environment. We've probably, again, probably hit the peak of it. Um, I think we've been through the worst and as our economy hopefully comes back under, you know, some much needed correction, um, you know, rates should also correct as well. So that's a little bit kind of of that, that pass, I would say the peak of rates, hopefully again, I was always like, hopefullys and not guarantees, but oh, you're fine. Uh, we put lots of disclaimers on. Yeah. Here, Tanner so. talks like this all the same, <laughs> yeah. all the time. All good. It's always shoulds and yeah. 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 Well, you, you can't, um, you, none of us know the future. We can just yeah, try. Exactly. You, you can't promise anything. So, yep. but we should have seen, you know, the highest rates will go probably, you know, the November time, you know, November of 2022, December of 2022 is likely that, that peak. We should see them trend downward. So what that means in terms of the housing market is, you know, there've been a lot of people on the fence about this, you know, quote unquote high rates. We've seen that no longer be the case. Actually, housing inventory based on the Cromford report that came out this week is it's actually, it's shrinking again. We're getting back into a very low supply market, which of course, you know, as supply dwindles, demand increases. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. I think a lot of what's going on is that sellers aren't wanting to sell their houses because they have those, you know, lower interest rates. And most people who are selling right now is because of a life event, right? They're, you know, mm. getting married, going through a divorce, you know, moving for jobs, you know, growing family, whatever those life events are. That's really the only reason someone would be selling and moving into a new home. So the supply is definitely dwindling. And as rates get lower, that supply is, you know, hopefully going to come back on board, right? Someone going from a two to 3% rate might be more tolerable to go to a four and a half percent rate versus a six and a half percent rate. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out moving forward. But in, in this particular time, um, supply is down rates are still relatively high. I'd say the average 30 year fixed is probably around a 6.375 right now. Um, and yeah, we'll kind of see how things shake up as this quarter, you know, halfway through right now so well and, and real quick to you know remind us um my mic's not staying still here um remind us how 
you know, I know it's not directly tied to what the Fed does, but at the same time, it kind of is. So, um, you know, what happens if the Fed does raise interest rates further? I mean, do we expect mortgages to creep up a little bit more or even if the Fed would, you know, potentially raise interest rates again, you know, is it disassociated enough where, you know, we probably have seen that top? It's actually a good question. It's something I talk a lot about. Um, When the news or when the feds make a move, everyone thinks it does directly correlate with mortgages and it does not. Um, It's an indicator and it -hmm. it does have an impact, but it's not the sole reason. For example, the feds raised rates last week. Um, That does not mean interest rates went up. Right. Um, Essentially, the way that it works is the market is already pricing in what they think the feds are going to be doing. So if the feds deviate from what the market is expecting, that's when you see the big shifts in interest rates. Now, again, should and could, but the feds should stop raising rates. That should be the last rate hike. That's what the market is pricing in right now, that that was the last rate hike. The next meeting, there's either going to be a, um, you know, not a hike or, or reduction. Um, now, if, if that's the case and that meets market expectations, then that's going to be really good for interest rates. Interest rates are going to fall. Even it, and I say fall, these are minute changes, but if the feds pause hiking rates, mortgage interest rates will be reduced because again, they're no longer going to be trending in that upward trajectory. Mm -hmm. And the market is now planning on, Hey, the feds have reached their peak. They're going to start, um, you know, lowering rates. So yeah, when you hear the Fed's raised rates, everyone always calls me and says, oh, we missed it. You know, the, the Fed's just raised the rates. We should have locked in beforehand. The market's already priced that in right. you know, 30, 60 days ago. So What uh, what from kind of in the real estate world is the expectation of if and when the Fed will rate or lower, start cutting rates? When kind of what's the... Because I know the mortgage world's a little different, obviously, than the investment world. So I, I'd love to hear kind of what your industry is thinking of when those rates will start getting cut. Yeah, and it was, um, this kind of brings it back to when we had, I think we had a phone call either this week or last week. Um, every meeting that the feds have had, when Jerome Powell goes into his Q&A, he is asked almost the exact same questions every single meeting, every single month. And his answers are almost identical. Um with essentially the sent the you know the synopsis of everything always being inflation, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, Jerome Powell always talks about hey, raising rates is one of the tools in our tool belt to get inflation down. We have other things we can do. We can you know tighten credit boxes. We we can do all sorts of things. Um, so that's the key indicator that you know the Feds are watching, which in turn is what the the mortgage industry is watching is inflation. Now we had really good inflation readings this week. Um, in terms of expectations. So we saw a good improvement in interest rates. And if that inflation level continues to come down as these readings come out, as the CPI you know, com- comes out each month, we will see mortgage rates follow. Um, with that being said, based on the current trajectory, end of Q3, beginning of Q4 is when interest rates should come back to a more normalized level from what the public deems as normal. And by that, we're, we're talking probably five and a half to lower 5% interest rates. That's what the public considers to be a normal. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'd say that's relatively similar to 
some of you know the people on the in the financial world they're expecting some are expecting rate cuts to start you know from the fed to start end of of this year um we'll see how that works out but um anyways yeah that's interesting i just wanted to see if they were kind of in line or if if the two industries thought differently of what the fed would do yeah i mean inflation's you know huge across everything right you can't you know, you can't you can't lend money that's not profitable enough between what inflation is. So similar, right, in the financial market with gains. Yeah. So. Yep. So as somebody that uh, literally put in an offer for a home yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> um, seller's market, right? Our our house will be easy to sell. We're not real jacked about the interest rate, but right. Um, what does that refinancing look? Get out your wood, wood and probably crystal ball. Um, you know, you said quarter three, quarter four, a couple of years. We should be able to to lower that if if that offer gets accepted, um, and just accept that. Hey, we're probably getting a premium when we're on our current house, and we're paying that same premium on the the new, the new house, and just accept it for what it is because it's not going to get any better right it's and it's similar probably to how tanner takes things in you know the financial world is it's you know it's the roller coaster but if if you stay on it you know you're you're still trending in the right direction um so yeah same thing a seller right they're going to get that premium have a little bit you know harder time on the buying side but you're still invested in real estate and you're still riding that same roller coaster um the terms of the refinance process you know, a lot of lenders right now that are especially high cost lenders, that's part of their pitch, right? They're saying, hey, look, mm-hmm. I know interest rates are high. We're doing yep. this free refi promotion in six to eight months or whatever. No one works for free. There's no free <laughs> refi promotion. It's They're still making money on those loans. But sure. um, yeah, the idea is that, you know, mortgage servicers at this point aren't really wanting to keep these, these mortgages right now because they know there's a very high chance that someone is going to be refinancing you know, in the next 12 months. So when it comes to someone who's buying something now or who has bought something even in the last year, um, probably more like eight to 10 months, you know, as soon as rates come within a level of a refinance making sense, uh, it, it's not going to be kind of a big, massive boom in refis like it was in 2020 and 2021, but there's definitely going to be a good amount of people who can, you know, shave a couple hundred dollars off their payment by just taking advantage of that lower rate. Um, and then I, would be interested to see how the housing market reacts to that because now that really opens the door. Like I was saying earlier for someone who's got a 3% rate to be more willing to sell that home and take a rate that's only, you know, one and a half to 2% higher versus 4% higher right now. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, yeah. let's get into the, the main reason we brought you in. You want to tee it up or you want me to Adam? No, I like, I like when Sean joins us cause I can. Sit back, <laughs> Sit back a little bit <laughs> okay, and make you ask the questions. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so I know it's been a few weeks ago. Um, I'll put the plug in for you. I saw it through your uh, X2's uh, Instagram channel. If no one's following it and you want to know more about real estate, please find them on Instagram. Um, great info all the time about what's going on. Uh, with that being said, I know it was a few weeks ago, but um, you know there was something with... Uh, 
higher credit score people are going to be paying higher interest rates and it's subsidizing people with lower credit scores. I saw a lot of articles, again, knowing that we were going to have you on. I didn't dive into a lot of them. So is this something that is legit and it's like, hey, that's pretty crappy? Or is this something that is just headline grabbing news and it's not that big of a deal? What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the the Instagram because yeah, we always try to provide like good real content, not necessarily content that's going to get a lot of views because that's what most of the world we live in these days. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the funny thing about that whole scenario is that that actually was passed and has been a thing for about seven to eight months. <laughs> the reason it got so popular was because of this May first deadline that everyone was talking about. Okay. Um. And for anyone who's listening, I'll, I'll, I'll explain a synopsis of what it is. Essentially, you know, the housing market to make it, um, I guess, less risky, you know, the Federal Housing Administration essentially wanted to subsidize. So essentially say, hey, here's a group of, let's say, a thousand mortgages, and we're going to make it less risky by charging a premium on loans that are safer. So that means that they're more profitable, even though in general, a riskier loan should be the most profitable because it's riskier, right? The riskier the investment, the the, the more gains you should make. Um, But they wanted to make things a lot safer as a whole. So, you know, they released it and talked about it again, seven, eight months ago, and no one said anything. Nobody said a (laughs) word. Um, And essentially it, it added in very small pricing bumps to people with good credit score putting down a good good amount of money. Now there's essentially a matrix that it came out with where, you know, based on your credit score and based on what how much money you're putting down, you know, you follow your your two on the matrix and you see what kind of pricing change that's going to do. Most of those changes was a difference of 0.125% um, percent on cost. So, you know, that's of, you know, so 0.125% of the loan amount. Um would be added cost for that loan. So for the average person, they would not have noticed it at all. You know, the, it would it would just be worked into the, the pricing and, and they wouldn't have noticed it. And that's why when it was announced and when it was put into, you know, essentially solidified, no one said anything because it was, ah, oh, it's seven, eight months out. It's for loans that, you know, we're not, we're not worried about right now. We're not even going to talk about it. Then all of a sudden this May 1st deadline was like three days out and every major headline was mm-hmm. post, you know, talking about it and people were freaking out. I, I, I don't think there's been something in the news that has made my phone ring more than this <laughs> thing. Um, so that was, that was wild. And the, the sad part about it was everyone was worried about getting a loan before that May 1st deadline, but it's for loans that are delivered to Fannie and Freddie Mae or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, after May 1st. Well, the problem is that means loans that are funding in March, February and March, because they're funded, they work through servicing, everything's packaged up, audited, and then sent. So all these people who are in progress or thinking about it thought they missed the boat when in reality, these pricing things have hit rate sheets since January, February. Sure. Um, And again, it was so minute, but it was that big, you know, blow up in the news and everyone losing their mind, but it was already in, and that's how small the difference was. It was already on rate sheets. It was already impacting people. Nobody could tell. Um, now, do I agree with it? Do I agree with, with what it is and what it stands for? No, not, not personally. You know, I personally don't, but cause I don't think you should be penalized to have 
your do, do what you're supposed yeah do what you're <laughs> right. supposed to do <laughs> right so i don't necessarily agree with it but i will say that it's not it's not as bad as everyone has okay. been making it out to be well sure. that's yeah that's that's good to hear you know for any of our listeners looking to or you adam you know um to looking to get a house at least it's not a a huge jump but i i'm with you i don't think it makes sense to penalize people for doing the right financial thing to then subsidize people who haven't. But, you know, I guess here we are. Um, I swear, it's like our country is promoting horrible financial decisions <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know why we do this to ourselves. Well, and quick side note, I mean, on the legal side of things, like when I was in law school, I, I always, and I still struggle with that. You know, we learned in law school that the laws are here and designed to protect and it was stated in, I don't remember, some Supreme Court case, but the laws are here and designed to help basically the dumbest of us, you know, to protect <laughs> the dumbest of us. And they said it more elegantly than that, but let's just put it how it is. And I really, I still struggle with that because then like, if, if that's, you know, if that's the minimum, like you're letting so many people fall down to that minimum and here's a bare minimum rather than, hey, yeah, I probably didn't make a good decision you know, it didn't work out in your favor. Let's learn from that and get better. There's not a, you know, I wish law would do the same, you know, let's, let's promote people improving rather than just, Hey, as long as you just do at least this, you're, you're good to go. And we'll make, we'll take some from the up here and give it to you. But that's my own philosophical. We'll move on from that. <laughs> Unless you have something, Adam. Well, I would say, yeah, I'm probably a little bit more, um, I shouldn't say that. Um, I agree with you guys. I was, when I first heard of it, I was like, what the deuce? But um, trying to think of, be more positive and see the glass half full. Um, could this be a way, and this is a, jet, a very blanket statement. Could this be a way where some folks that are renting are paying potentially more in, in rent than what a mortgage would cost? So would that fill this or is that hard to to kind of fill them in and that's assuming all folks that have are renting and don't own a home have bad credit credit scores which would probably be false uh, we can't make that assumption so maybe we can benefit indirectly from more people being able to own a home i don't know that's a my optimistic side but right. also probably a very ignorant statement it's, it's just challenging with any sort of law, and this is across the board, whether it's real estate or not real estate, whether it's tax, I mean, anything. Anything that is put into place by our government, it, it could be to protect, you know, lower income or, or not as, you know, the dumbest of us. But in all, we all know that the richest and the smartest are the ones who exploit it to actually get the benefits out of it. Yep. So yep. while the idea is always great, it's never executed well. Right, and why can't we just let the free market do it? Like, why do they? Why does government always have to feel like it's their idea to, and and they have to fix it? That's yeah. I think we're all on the same. We'll page. all po continue <laughs> pondering that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's unfortunate too, right? Because you know a lot of these clients who fit this this box of high credit, big down payment are your real estate investors who are renting to 
people. So what does that mean? That means their rents exactly. need to be increased to make yep. their margins up. Yep. So it just gets passed through to <laughs> it just yeah. gets passed through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I and well said. Very well said. Um, with you know any any law can start out with good intentions. It's just the execution is typically botched. Um, that's right. that's very well put. Yeah. Uh, so. Next thing that uh, is in the news, DTI. I have I have no idea what that is. Um, I was more familiar with with what we just talked about. Um, that was one thing I wanted to make sure we covered. But uh, um, this was something that was like literally on your social medias yesterday or two days ago. So t- talk about that. Yeah. So this just this is uh, something that just changed as of uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, funny enough, this law or change was announced at the exact same time oh. as the other one we just talked about. So seven, seven or eight <laughs> months ago. Yes. <laughs> this, these are, this was part of a, of, a, of a bigger plan to change the way mortgages were done in a higher interest rate environment or you know, just a different housing market. Um, mm. This one went into effect uh, same exact, you know, or, or I shouldn't say same exact. It should have been around the same time frame of that May 1st which meant that it was added onto rate sheets the same time the other one was added, right? So we're talking February-ish. And it was added at, at one point. And in us as loan officers or, or mortgage brokers, we were locking our loans with this pricing hit. And essentially the way that it is, is on conventional loans only, the higher your debt to income ratio the worse your interest rate. So it's just a, I mean, kick you while you're down kind of thing, right? You're, you have this higher, higher debt to income ratio. So it's, it's harder for you to make your payment. And then they also make the rate higher. So it makes it harder for making you payment. And the idea was to, you know, again, great idea, horrible execution. It's to, it's to promote someone to not stretch their purchasing power. Hey, we don't want you going up to that 45, 50% debt to income ratio. We want you staying under 40 be a little more conservative. So again, the idea was great. Problem is it's just not realistic because when it comes to mortgage debt to income, you know, metrics, it's not one for one with what someone makes. There's a lot of income that people have that we can't use for qualifying. You know, for example, take a self-employed, you know, client. We have to take an average over 2 years, but you know, there's that's, businesses yeah, that That's crazy. Yeah, there's businesses that I make nothing. I did it with three pay stubs. I just three pay stubs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not a very good way to gauge. I mean, it's it's a way to gauge riskiness of a loan, but it is not the best way. And that one had way more pushback than the you know higher credit score one because it would really limit what someone can qualify for. And of course, when you start messing with someone's commission, right? That's when people that's when people start throwing <laughs> up red flags. They let the other one slide under the radar, but this one everyone made a big fuss about and then so they actually suspended it they suspended it in about march when these started hitting rate sheets and all of those locks were then updated so people weren't getting hit for that higher cost mortgage and then as of yesterday um they came out and said hey you know we're no longer going to do that we're we're just going to cancel it it was suspended and we decided to just cancel it um which is funny because when the credit score you know, subsidizing issue was becoming popular. This one started becoming popular again because everyone's like, "Uh oh, like, are they bringing this back? Are they going to continue to keep it suspended? And just based on some of the, you know, 
inside of the mortgage industry, there was a very low chance that it was going to get put back into effect. So I was pretty much telling everyone, don't worry about that one. It's likely going to keep, it's going to get suspended again, or it's going to get fully canceled. And it was canceled. So that that's a good thing. Um, and again, it, it's kind of how you look at it. Some people would say, oh, it's a bad thing because we should have people shopping a little bit below their means. But me personally doing, you know, hundreds and potentially thousands of mortgages, I've seen a lot of really well-qualified people with higher debt to income ratios, but it's not an accurate gauge of if they're going to be able to make that payment or not. So I, in my opinion, I think it's a good thing that that one was canceled. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense because I know we had talked about last time you were on, you know, the struggles we had with, you know, me owning my own business and the, the two years worth and well, you know, when you start a new business, income accelerates pretty quickly, but when you have to take into account your first three months of running a business that is a little lean, you know, and then you just get absolutely penalized by it. So maybe they should focus on that and changing that side of things instead. But we'll, we'll see maybe, maybe in the future. <laughs> There's a lot of things in the mortgage world that I think is just so dated and wrong. And they seem to, you know, they seem to always be focusing on the aspects that are fine <laughs> and that right. that work well. But yeah, it's, well, it's and, always an interesting and even with, you know, like you said, without updating things, you know, on one hand, yeah, you don't the debt to income ratio is there to protect the lenders, and and so you don't stretch, you know, and and then end up defaulting, right? That's primarily why it's there. Um, but at the same time houses didn't cost as much as they did compared to what people make 20, 30 years ago. So you, people are, you know, are just really getting penalized, I would assume, in that regard, because you just, even if you are a W-2 employee, like wages haven't kept up with the cost of housing. So they need to be able to give people some leniency on that, or you're not going to be able to get into a house in, in certain circumstances. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, there's tons of data on, on mortgage de defaults and, you know, all, all of this stuff. And I've actually found it interesting, you know, because we're able to work with virtually any lender and, and take a low, a specific scenario to, a, you know, a specific product. Um, there's one lender in particular we work with that they have done tons of research on what is the least amount of risk on a loan. And the craziest thing that will shock people is there is no income qualification on this loan the least amount of risk when it comes to lending someone money is their loan to value. So how much equity they have in the property. So how, how big their down payment is and how much money they have left over after they make that purchase it has nothing to do with income. Mm -hmm. So these loans are given to people. I mean, they're higher rates, right? Because it's a different type right. of, of qualification, but as long as you have equity in the property and money left over afterwards, there's no income, which blows my mind because everything on the normal you know, mm -hmm. the best pricing type loans, it is primarily driven off income. Off income. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, anyone can theoretically get fired a week from now. So it's, exactly. not like, it's not like that's a guaranteed thing for the next 30 years of your life like most of these mortgages are. So, but all right. Well, hey, you got anything else for us, Adam? No. Yep. I was just going to give a, a little... Toss to Sean if there's anything else to add that uh, he wanted to talk about as we're running out of time here. So, um, I would just say when it comes to the mortgage world, I mean, the biggest question I always get right is rates and when's the best time and you know, all of these things. And I always just like to, you know, leave it with everything that I say with someone is if, if, if the payment feels affordable to you, 
and you're able to qualify for that payment because a lot of times people will feel comfortable with a payment that's higher than what they can qualify for. Um, but if I if 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 I'm working with someone and I say that that payment feels affordable to you and at this point in time, then I always say, don't worry about, it's probably similar to what Tanner says, you know, don't worry about the market right now. This is a pipe. This is something that we're looking at it in, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I can't tell you how many people back in 2018 said, Oh, we're about to have a housing crash and they they didn't buy real estate <laughs> and real estate has doubled since 2018. So, yep. um, yep. you know, it, it's good to learn about the markets and, you know, know what's going on. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're not flipping real estate or flipping loans or doing things like that, you know, focus on what's affordable to you and you know, you're, you're going to be fine. Like buy fine. good assets and hold them. Exactly. Preach brother. Yeah. <laughs> very Every good day. advice. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Cool. Very well, good, yeah. sir. Thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, absolutely. You can find Sean and X2 Mortgage on social media by just searching the letter X and the number two X2 Mortgage on everything, right, Sean? Facebook, yep. Instagram, YouTube, the whole my Twitter, space. the whole, whole deal. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Nice. Right. I don't think we're on MySpace. <laughs> I didn't know I that. MySpace is I, I, say, I didn't think that existed anymore. Uh, hey, it might be coming back. So we hope this uh, episode has been helpful. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. Questions or suggestions, uh, shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. Also check us out on YouTube. Yes, I did hit record. So you'll see our faces this episode. Uh, Search Financially Sharp Podcast on YouTube. Don't forget to click the bell and subscribe to our channel. Thanks again for listening. You'll hear us and see us in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.